Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Returned from my short hiatus, Mike Anguilano, and joining me as always is Eric Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, I'm really happy to be back. I hope that uh, you were all able to hold down the fort and you weren't too, too nervous about the ad reads. The trio is back, and it feels so good. Uh, the ad reads, as always, are tough without you, but we are glad to have you back, <laughs> not just for your ability to talk about our amazing sponsor, but to guide us and give us your Pistons thoughts from an outside point of view as well. So Mike, good to have you back. Jasper, good to be with you again, guys. I am pumped to be with both of you ready to talk about the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm talking with a ghost right now. It's been so long, Mike, you, you were missed, but it's great to have you back. And now Aaron and I no longer have to, to force our transitions into ad reads. We have the master back. The Caravaggio of the Pistons <laughs> podcasting community is here, folks. Thank God for that. Um, yeah, it's been an exciting, an exciting week, week and a half now uh, for the Pistons because they're what five and four in their last nine games. So Pistons have actually been winning a little bit. We got Mike back. Everything's coming up Millhouse, guys. <laughs> I mean. It doesn't get much better than me coming back. The Pistons winning some games and uh, everybody gets to blow up about uh, the bowl bowl trade being rescinded, um, thinking that he was going to turn into the next version of Kevin Durant or whatever people had in mind. Well, he's taller than Kevin Durant, so actually he'd probably be better than KD, you know, as long as we're speaking realistically. It's that's that's a factual right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't want to temper expectations at all. No, He's no, 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 no. Kevin we don't Durant, do that. Obviously, better. Look, I He's read the comments. Kevin Durant. I I read the comments from our listeners. They do not like it when we're negative. So I will keep things positive. Bull Bull is Kevin Durant mixed with uh, Joel Embiid mixed with James Harden, and the Pistons will never be the same. Unfortunately, now that that trade was rescinded, um, but we should talk about that, right? Because. Uh, the ent- the entire title of last week's podcast was the Pistons trader for Bull Bull, <laughs> yeah. and now we have our next podcast. Unfortunately, <laughs> is the exact opposite. That trade was rescinded. Uh, what the hell happened here, guys? I think, firstly, I should probably name this week's podcast. The Pistons did not trade for Bull Bull. Um, I, dude, I mean, we knew like the foot injury was a problem in college, but. Very weird that that trade did not go through because it didn't sound like that was going to happen in the slightest. Um, we didn't get any sort of information on that. Bobo's been relatively healthy. Like we haven't heard any that he's been having any problems. So to see that not go through, very weird. And it's also probably just as weird for Rodney Magruder to be walking back into the locker room after he went through a practice and suited up for a game for Denver. That's so weird. Hey, at least at least the Pistons didn't give away his number to somebody else like the uh, like the Nuggets did with Bull Bull. They gave his number away to James Ennis, who they who they signed right after the trade went through. So I don't know how that works for Bull Bull. Now, does James Ennis have to give up his uh, does he have to give up his number or does Bull Bull get his back or does Bull Bull have to pick a new number? How, how does that even work? I really wonder. It's hard to imagine Bobo plays another game for the Nuggets after that. I mean, he 
He seemed really upset. He took his Instagram private. It seemed yeah, like he was he's, not. He's definitely not playing another game with Denver. Right. I, I think so. that that probably pretty much just just ended that partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, guys, that's a great uh, little segue here into the Bull Bull trade being rescinded. Rodney Magruder comes back. The Brooklyn Nets 2022 second round pick uh, is returned to the treasure chest that Troy Weaver has. Um, you know, you did talk a lot last week about low risk, high reward type of deal, getting bowl bowl. Obviously everybody had their expectations wildly higher than they needed to be. If, you know, if, if he was a good player, the nuggets would not be sending him away for freaking Rodney Magruder and a second round pick from Brooklyn. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I vote that we, uh, start to do like a it's always sunny title and just say the gang walks back the bull bull trade <laughs> or you know some <laughs> something like that <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure the editor uh puts in some of the it's always sunny music it's it's royalty free aaron so we we could get away with it's it true. too um much the like the, the enthusiasm cur- theme probably also works i was going to say exactly good thinking uh <laughs> but yeah no it was, it was definitely i will say though like, we can joke about it, and the fact of the matter is it probably wasn't going to be a super impactful trade. However, it is a, it is a disappointment that this trade didn't go through because the Pistons absolutely could have used somebody like Bull Bull in their rotation, somebody who can jump, somebody who has length, somebody who has athleticism, somebody who can pick and pop. Um, you know, it, it's a shame that they didn't get him. And like we were saying last week, those – low risk, high reward kind of guys. Um, another guy, I, I know Aaron, you wrote this as kind of our third topic, but he is, I think, relevant to this conversation. Cam Reddish for the Hawks, who we've been talking about as a potential target for the Pistons, especially in Jeremy Grant trades. Uh, he was moved to the Knicks for just, a, I mean, what will essentially just be a, you know, mid-late first round pick, something probably in the... Uh, in the early twenties. So I, I, for me, I, I, it is hard for me, even with the Pistons going on a little bit of a run, even with them getting a couple guys back, it's hard for me not to feel disappointed with how things have gone so far, because as of right now, Jeremy Grant's still here. And there's two guys that you were interested in as trade targets who now no longer are available to you. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Bull Bull trade, and I I think I, you know, I'm not going to really change my stance on it from last week. Like, it was a fine trade. The Pistons didn't really give up anything, um, you know, to get Bull Bull. Obviously, he has some potential. The size is intriguing. The ability to shoot the ball is intriguing at his size. But there's always been a reason why he hasn't been able to kind of carve out his role in the NBA yet. And it's, it's not really the end of the world that the trade got rescinded. Um, not that it, getting, you know, Roddy Magruder in the second round pickback is a good thing, but I just don't want, I don't think people should be reacting as if Detroit just lost out on, you know, a, a future all-star or anything like Bull Bull very much could have been a productive NBA player. He might still end up being a productive NBA player, but there were, you know, uh, there were reasons in Denver that he never really was able to find it and never really able to put it together in two and a half seasons. I mean, he had two and a half years to prove, to acclimate, to adjust, and he really didn't. I mean, there were talks within the locker room that he wasn't, you know, fitting in with the guys. He was demanding a bigger role, but then he wasn't putting in the work to to really live up to that type of opportunity. And, you know, his numbers are fine if you look at him at a, at a per 36 value, but you know, those numbers, inflating those numbers, that's it doesn't matter. Like, I've had multiple people reach out you know, oh, look at his per 36 look at his per 36 look at how great those numbers are and it's like yeah those numbers look good but that does just because you they're per 36 doesn't mean he's going to go do that for 36 minutes a game like that's just not how it works and i mean he is he would have been a fine prospect to bring to the pistons a team that obviously is at the bottom tier of the nba right now definitely should be taking swings on guys the trade was good the trade was fine but I, I think people are reacting to it as if Detroit was getting and now ended up didn't getting a guy that was going to be this really, really good player. And I just think 
that wasn't going to be the case and it won't be the case. Bull Bull, again, may end up being a productive NBA player, but he's got a long way to go before I'm I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, and you know what? If we're talking about overreactions, how about Dematis Monahunis on Twitter? Like, going in and calling out I mean, for people who don't remember, he was part of that 2016 trade that got rescinded because he failed his physical too, just like Bull Bull did uh, with the Pistons. Like him going on and calling out the Pistons and saying, oh, they're ruining players' careers, blah, blah, blah. Like what a load of crap that was. I, I just have to say that real quick because it got reported on a little bit and it's completely ridiculous. It's a completely different coaching staff, completely different um uh, training staff, like totally different front office. The only thing that that is the same is the organization name and Tom Gorris. And I don't think Tom Gorris is going out there and telling team physicians to fail guys' physicals. I don't think that's what's happening here. So that to me, I just had to quickly mention it. Um, it got a little bit of traction on Twitter, and I just thought that was a total overreaction by Montehunis. And I just thought it was kind of a load of crap. So I, I had to say that he went on to have an injury plague like last two years of his NBA career before having to, you know, moving overseas to play basketball too. So obviously it wasn't just the Pistons that found something wrong with his medicals. His back was a problem, you know, before and after the Pistons. So I don't think it was anything specifically related to them. And as you mentioned, different front office, different medical people, not the same, just, yeah, it's a coincidence, really, I guess, that the two, fran- you know, it's the same franchise and the two rescinded trades. But, yeah, that was, I wasn't expecting him to pop back up like that, uh, but he did. And it's just kind of funny how that worked out. But, yeah, there's no really no merit to what he said either. I thought that was a little bit out of left field. Talk about a throwback to a player. There, there's like some athletes that you forget existed. And then you hear their name and you're like, oh, yeah, that that is a player that I used to sort of know about. Um, the whole Twitter thing did gain traction. And Bull Bull, ha- you know, is a little bit more popular than I, I guess the average second round pick just because of how massive he is and, uh, you know, his name. But uh, all got blown out of proportion, you know, of course, with the Montehuda. So, um I don't really think that the Pistons are missing out on a even even a good player. I mean, he is just a big body that would be nice to have. But at the end of the day, you can go ahead and use Magruder and a second round pick and get you know another player, reevaluate things, or package it with someone else, and or you know included in the what we thought was inevitable Marvin Bagley the third trade and see what happens. Um, Speaking of bigs, one of the Pistons' bigs just came back, and that's Kelly Olynyk. Um, he was active against Phoenix Suns on Sunday. He didn't play. Uh, Dwayne Casey said that probably play sometime this week, and uh, Detroit has games this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. So with Kelly Olynyk back and with Trey Lyles playing, really making us eat crow, I mean, this – he, he's really ruining the credibility of this podcast of how much we trashed him. Uh, oh, Mike, much Mike, like we, how Aaron and I, Mike, I was going to say, we do a, we do a good enough job of trashing our own reputations. We don't need Trey Lyles help on this one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he's doing it so well makes us look somehow worse. Ugh. And Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant made Aaron and I eat crow last year too. So we're off to a really bad start in evaluating free agent picks from Troy Weaver. <laughs> um, uh, really bad. Um, so, guys, with Kelly Olynyk coming back, um, this helps the Pistons a lot, maybe more than we'd like Kelly Olynyk to uh, shore up the rotation. So there are some options. Sadiq Bey and Hamadou Diallo have both been playing super well in playing the forward. Hammy at the four has been pretty – Pretty nice. Um, Isaiah Stewart still still playing, still starting at center, that is. But with Trey Lyles playing so well and with Diallo playing pretty well at the four, there's a little bit more of a glut in terms of how the rotation is going to shake out. So, um, Aaron, how, how would you uh, adjust the rotation to bring back Kelly Olenek and, 
and not disrupt the good flow that really that Hammy and Trey Lyles have have been showing. Well, first off, I want to say, look, last year you and I definitely got it taken to us. Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley both were obviously really good signings by the Pistons. Trey Lyles has been playing better as of late, but don't get it twisted. He is still an absolute turnstile on defense. I mean, he definitely has been playing well offensively. Moving to the five, like full time, has really seemed to open things up for him. I don't know if it's just like the matchups, he's getting a little bit of slower footed guys on him because Lyles isn't the quickest. But if he gets a slower guy on him, that's probably why he's, you know, getting to the rim a little bit more. He is using all of the pump fakes in the world to get to the rim. Uh, and he's, he's manufacturing points on the offensive end, but he's also still not living up to, I'm not saying expectations because I don't think there ever were expectations for him to really be an impact defensively, but living up to a standard of defending. Um, I won't say he's on the same level as Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley in terms of our thoughts on those signings before they played with Detroit and now after. Um, but Lyles has, has been better now that he's been playing the backup five, but that probably has to change, honestly, with with Olenek coming back. Uh, whether Olenek starts or comes off the bench, I think it's likely that he comes off the bench. I do think there's a case to be made that he should be in the starting lineup instead of Stewart uh, to really get some more shooting around Kate, especially with Diallo being the guy around the rim that's cutting and elevating. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit too bunched with trying to get Killian and Cade both going at the rim and then having Diallo and Stewart both on the court, two guys that really aren't threats from the outside. So it probably does make sense for Olenek to eventually start. I don't think that'll be the case, especially right off the bat. Um, so yeah, Detroit does have a little bit of an interesting situation to to handle. Like, I guess it it probably just ends up being that Olenek and Lyles are on the court together with the backup unit. Um I don't know how, what that will do to Lyle's production. I think he, like I talked, like I talked about, he did better against lower footed fives. Um, but Olenek being back is going to be a good thing. I really think it's going to open up some some offensive options for Detroit. And Frank Jackson's coming back too. And I, I think getting both those guys back, two of the team's best shooters, two of the team's best offensive options, which is really kind of an unfortunate thing that you have to admit. But they will both really help. And I think both of them need to be on the floor with Cade because they both can shoot, shut the floor. Olenek, you know, he didn't have great shooting numbers to start off the season. He was actually getting a lot of his stuff down low, putting the ball on the floor. Like his offense was really not normal for a guy his size. Um, but just having his presence back along with Frank Jackson, I want to see both those guys on the floor with Cade Cunningham, maximize shooting, uh, maximize opening up space for Cade to get to the rim, which is what he does very well. So uh, that's what I'm I'm looking for with with Kelly Olynyk due back soon and and Frank Jackson not far behind him. Yeah, Aaron, I I agree. I, I thought the Toronto game was a great example of what the Pistons' offense should look like with Kelly Olynyk back. Where you know you had the four starters uh, plus Trey Lyles because Isaiah Stewart had all that that foul trouble kind of really early. Uh, and Lyles, I thought, played really well offensively. And if you're looking for what the Pistons' rotations should be looking like, I think that if you replace Lyles with Kelly Olenek, I think that can only help you. And I think that that's actually a very dangerous lineup. Uh, a lineup of Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, um, uh, Sadiq Bey, and uh, Hamadou Diallo, along with Kelly Olenek. I think that that is a a starting five that can really deal some damage. I think you're right. Uh, Olenek will start off back on the bench, but there is a real argument to be made for him starting over Isaiah Stewart at this moment, because frankly, Stewart has been a pretty big disappointment. Uh, offensively, I know we were expecting some improvement. We, I don't know if we were expecting a massive improvement, but the fact of the matter is, not only has there not been improvement with Isaiah Stewart, there's been a regression on that end of this year. Uh, he's not scoring near the basket. He's certainly not shooting from outside. And he doesn't provide you with enough gravity on that end of the floor. He doesn't provide you with the screens that you need for your guards to get downhill. It's just not working right now with him in the starting lineup. And we've always said this. I, I think the kind of the consensus on this podcast has been 
even since last year that he's a high level backup more likely than an actual starter. But I think it's really, really clear right now when Kelly Olenek gets back, he's got to be getting a lot of run with Kate Cunningham, getting a lot of run with, uh, you know, Killian Hayes. That's just got to be what it is because he's too good of a passer not to, and his gravity opens up looks for other players. I think Hamadou Diallo is a guy that if he's playing alongside Olenek in that starting lineup, that is just going to send his efficiency through the roof because he doesn't have to hang out on the three-point line. He can get down and he can get into the paint, which is what he really wants to do. Same goes for Cade Cunningham. Same goes for Killian Hayes. Um, I'm actually, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm kind of excited for Kelly Olenek to be back. I'm interested to see how this offense looks with him on the floor. I really do think that the Pistons will look best when when they commit to playing him as the starting center. Um, I don't know if they will, but you mentioned that Isaiah Stewart has not lived up to expectations, and he really hasn't. I mean, he does some great stuff protecting the rim defensively, but most but of the time he's in foul trouble. And on offense, he, he's not a threat to score the basketball down low or outside. He's not a rim runner. He's not efficient posting up. He's not efficient on dump offs. He's just not a threat on that end of the court. And the Pistons need more of a scoring punch outside of Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. You never know what you're going to get from Killian Hayes on a nightly basis. Most of the time it's around five, six points a game. And Diallo is kind of a wild card in that same sense where if the team sags on him, you know, he's really not a huge threat because he can't shoot from the outside. So You've got to find a way to open up the defense, create spacing for Diallo to be, you know, down low more and open up space for your floor generals to get to the cup and having a shooter like Olenek, a passer like Olenek, just more of an offensively capable player like Olenek will really open things up for them. Defensively, I think there's going to be some adjustments with that, but I think it's worth it to try to figure some stuff out offensively. But I like his defense better than Lyles anyway. Like Olenek's a better post defender than Trey Lyles is. So for me, I don't think you're going to really experience any sort of a serious drop off at that end. And we're already seeing it with Stewart. Like he's a, yeah, he's the best post defender on this team. Isaiah Stewart is, but guess what? He's such a zero offensively that it doesn't even really matter. Like you, I'd rather give up a, I don't know, six extra points per game on the defensive end and have like a watchable offense than roll with Stewart if he's going to give you absolutely nothing, especially especially if you have Killian Hayes in the lineup, too. You can't have two guys that can't score in your starting five. That just doesn't yeah. work, period. Yeah, that's that's the issue, too, is, is uh, you know, when we saw Isaiah Stewart play last year, we thought, oh, that's a young athletic center who might be able to do some fun stuff, you know, as a, as a role man, or kind of uh, like a Tristan Thompson-y role of box people out and get boards. And he is averaging about a rebound and a half more, per, you know, this year. But he hasn't translated any of those things. So now you have two net zeros on offense. And at least with Kelly Olynyk, you can space the floor and make defenses care a little bit more about where the opposing players are at. Um, but right now, yeah, you're just not getting that with Isaiah Stewart. And, and it's, uh, it's just clogging up the offense, having both him and Hayes. With, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And look, if I had to put money on it, I would say Kelly Olynyk is the starter in at least in like two weeks. I, I just don't see how you can continue on. Or if it's not him maybe Trey Lyles becomes the starter, but I have a hard time seeing Dwayne Casey making that kind of switch. I, I think he likes having, you know, somebody like Stewart, a little bit better of a defender out there uh, with his starters because Lyles, while he has been really good as of late is still, like you said, Aaron, a turnstile defensively, he is still super inconsistent on the offensive end as well. I, I know he's hot right now, but you know, give it a little bit of time. He'll do something else that'll drive us nuts. So. Yeah, he'll you know he'll eventually he will eventually come back down. I I would not be I would not be betting on Trey Lyles sticking around in this offensive capacity for long. But you got to ride it while you have it. Um, and speaking of bets, 
There Bet it is. Online folks. is our sponsor. <laughs> Bet Online is our sponsor for this week's episode. Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the NFL playoffs, basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is the number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. We're now on day three of NFL playoffs, which is still a little bit strange how they decided to spread everything out again. Um, head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV50. That's B L E A V five zero get your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit from basketball football nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts well mike yes, you know who's been a, my segueness is beautiful you know who's actually been a, a really Nice, profitable uh, betting team for me as of late is those Detroit Pistons. I, I bet on them against the Jazz. I, I won that. And uh, I also bet them to cover against the Raptors, which they more than did. They beat the crap out of Toronto. Yep. Which So, by the way, if, if folks out there, if you're looking for an easy, easy win, just bet on Dwayne Casey against the old Toronto Raptors. He owns them. He owns them. You, you have to love it. <laughs> Yeah, you have to know to put money on the Pistons when they're playing the Raptors. I mean, you that, just have to know that by this point. I mean, that one was easy money. It was easy money. I felt like I was cheating almost. I even tweeted about it before the game. That's how confident I was. Dwayne Casey, I don't know what it is. I really don't. I, is it his old players like don't want to beat him because they love him so much? Is it he just knows the right buttons to push? Is it the narrative is more powerful than anything else? I have no clue. But at this point, I am a full-on believer. Dwayne Casey just he owns that that franchise. That's his franchise to beat. Him and LeBron James, they uh, they just can't lose to the Raptors. Uh, boy, if you're talking on Mike's heart the, right uh, there. I know, I know. <laughs> the good old uh, LeBronto era. That's, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I mean, the Cavs are better are better now. And this, this team is so infinitely more fun to watch than that 2017-18 Cavs team. It's not even remotely funny. Since we're talking about betting, um, I did put some more money. I already had some on him. But Darius Garland for most improved player of the year. I mean, he's plus 1,900 right now. Like, that's he's really awesome. intriguing. That I mean, just sprinkle something on there. I, I Like, I, I know John Morant is like the favorite right now, but I don't know. It kind of seems weird that he's like the front run. Like, I feel like he's too good to be involved in the discussion. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just over-exaggerating how good he was last year. Like maybe the jump really is that significant, but wasn't he phenomenal last year too? Like not to take away anything that he's doing this year, obviously Memphis, a top team in the West, he's playing great. Desmond Bain is playing great. Like a lot of the guys are clicking there. But Darius Garland for most improved player of the year, I think, is is something that I'm going to continue to ride. I, they are a fun team, and he is a phenomenal basketball player. And he's an example of not giving up on a point guard after 80 games. This guy had a bad rookie year. A lot of people were already saying, oh, this guy's a bust of a pick. Why did the Cavs take him and look at him now? He's a guy that I believe deserves to be on the all-star team. Get 27 and 18 the other night. Phenomenal basketball player. So fun to watch. Glad he's playing well. And honestly, I, I, I really enjoy the Cavs. I've watched them a handful of times this year. Him and Jared Allen, always been a Jared Allen guy. That's a fun team, man. I'm, I'm happy for Mike, even though they really don't deserve it since they just got LeBron. But it is what it is at this point. I'm not a tremendously fun team. I'm not happy for Mike. I want to make that clear. The, the Cavaliers are an in-division rival. No way. Screw them. I hate seeing them win. I don't like it. Uh, I also hate that Evan Mobley is, is right now still probably beating out Kate Cunningham for the rookie of the year, although I could definitely see that, that changing in upcoming months as well because, man, Kate has been so good. You know, we haven't even really talked about the Suns game yesterday uh, in where Cade was, I mean – Awesome. So, so good. 
and they threw yep. him out of the game on a BS double technical. I, I have to hear both of your your guys' thoughts on that because that was – I mean, he was going for 30. He's gotten close a couple times this year, but he was going to score 30 points. He was – I mean, he was just lighting up the Suns. I know that the Pistons ended up getting killed, but he was – phenomenal he's been phenomenal for a while now it's really disappointing that he was playing that well and he got tossed for just a nonsense technical i mean even the multiple people that i follow on son's twitter were talking about how wild it was that he got ejected and kevin cutler was the ref that that threw him out i believe and he was the one that was talking to Cade at halftime like Cade went on to him at the end of the first half and was you know talking to him you know, explaining something, asking for something. And like, they even like, you know, dapped up at the end of it. Like it looked like it was, you know, everyone was cool. Everyone was fine. But then he comes out in the third and gets a tech for pointing, which is just like, when did, when did the NBA become the, the no fun league? Like that's the NFL's thing. Why is the NBA trying to mimic that? I mean, guys should be able to, to celebrate. I mean, Russ rocks the baby, like everyone has their celebrations. And because Cade Cunningham pointed towards the bench, he got a technical foul. It was nonsense. It's unfortunate. I, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's just really a, not a good look for the NBA as refs continue to dominate discussion throughout the year and dominate big moments and, 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 and games that they shouldn't be because that's not their job. And it just continues to be an issue. I don't know if it's, they got a lot of G League guys up right now because there's, you know, different health and safety protocols and whatnot. I don't know what it is, but NBA refs have not had a good year. Officials in general. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever going to say that they're having a good year, but man, it has been very, very obvious, especially in the NBA, that the refs are not doing the best job. I mean, I, I tweeted it out yesterday. I, I think that the that COVID has made it very clear that the line between NBA ref and guy who has no absolutely zero business being an NBA ref is very, very thin. And we're seeing that line right now because look, these, I think a lot of these crews have not had an opportunity to ref together, which makes it harder. A lot of them are replacement. Um, It's, it's just ugly right now. It's really bad. And for Cade Cunningham, especially, it does seem like the refs have it out for him. How many times per game do you guys think Cade gets to the line? How many free throw attempts do you think he shoots per game? Doesn't he only shoot like one and a half, two? It's, it's, it's 2.1. 2.1 free throws per game. And that, for me, is – I mean, that's just crazy. There's just no that, – that is, that is refs making sure to not call fouls for this guy. I mean, look, uh, something like what? I, I think – uh, like 40% of his shots come within 10 feet of the basket. So it's not like he's a player who's primarily just shooting from outside, although he does shoot a lot of threes. He's a physical player. We saw it against the Raptors. We saw it yesterday against the Suns on that dunk, the very dunk where he got thrown out of the game. He got hit by Jalen Smith, and they didn't call a foul for him. It's really getting really bad, and – yeah, I mean, look, when you see him go over to the refs before halftime and talk to them and try and explain where he's coming from and do it very calmly and then get thrown out of the game anyway, um, it's hard not to think that there is some sort of agenda against him right now for whatever reason there may be because, I'm sorry, there's just zero, zero reason Cade Cunningham should only be shooting two free throws a game. That's just taking your rookie lumps. You know, I mean, eventually that will change. Um, yeah, I, 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 I went and looked back at the play where he got tossed against the Suns. And, you know, on both instances, I thought they were pretty weak calls uh, for sure. For sure. And, and he was playing awesome. The Pistons were getting, you know, smoked. But Cade was playing very well. And um, it'll be a two-man race between him and Evan Mobley for Rookie of the Year. But you know, if the Cavs sneak into the playoffs or, you know, I mean, at this point, host a first round series, I, I don't really know. I, I feel like they're like uh, delirious right now with how, with how well they're playing. I mean, they could, like should have lost to Oklahoma city. That, that was like a scheduled loss. 
uh, but Darius Garland said no and uh, <laughs> willed them to a win. You know, I, if the Cavs make the playoffs and Evan Mobley continues to play the way he's playing, he'll probably win it. But Kate Cunningham is so good. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll be a two-man race, I feel. Um, but let's get into our third and final topic. Um, this required me to redo part of my article, which will hopefully be coming out about some Jeremy Grant um, trade packages. And that is that the Pistons were one of the suitors for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, of course, was traded to the Knicks for a protected first-round draft pick and Kevin Knox. There's obviously some disappointment from Pistons Twitter in not getting um, Cam Reddish. Uh, I don't necessarily know why he was not very good. Um, maybe it's just the potential and the Pistons should be taking chances on potential as opposed to waiting and waiting, especially if the asking price was a protected first rounder um, and a really horrible small forward in Kevin Knox. Um, but guys, any disappointment in not getting in on Cam Reddish, the athletic reported uh, that the Pistons were one of the teams interested in acquiring um, the former Duke wing uh any any disappointment in not going a little bit harder after cam reddish it really depends and this is why because i do think jeremy grant is going to be moved before the deadline this year and while i am still interested in cam reddish as a prospect there are other guys out there that i'm simply more interested in if they can somehow get deandre hunter and okongwu from atlanta please, by all means, go for it. If they can still somehow get Patrick Williams from the Bulls, please, by all means, go for it. For me, I'm only going to be disappointed if the trade deadline comes and goes and the Pistons have not bolstered their rotation at all in terms of picking up another talented guy via trade. Um, yeah, I mean, Cam's an interesting prospect still. He's, you know, just 22, but you're right. He has not been a very impactful NBA player in his three years in the league so far, Mike. And obviously it didn't cost very much for the Knicks to pick him up. I have to wonder if for the Pistons, the reason they didn't go for it was because, you know, Atlanta is going to ask for a first rounder in any trade for him. And the Pistons are certainly not going to be giving up their first round pick this year. So I wonder if that's maybe has something to do with it. I also wonder if the Pistons are interested in potentially acquiring that first-round pick from the Knicks via another trade with Atlanta. So, no, I'm not disappointed yet. I really need to see exactly how this trade deadline shakes out before I'm going to say, oh, this was a loss for Troy Weaver. This was a win for Troy Weaver because although it was a low, relatively low-cost acquisition for New York, I, I think that there are better trades to be had for a player of Jeremy Grant's caliber. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, look, Cam Reddish would have definitely been interesting for Detroit. I just, I feel like the asking price, like Detroit probably shouldn't be trading a first round pick. And on the roster outside of Jeremy Grant, what else were they going to give up? Like what was, if the value was less than Jeremy Grant, right? But it was also a first round pick. You're a rebuilding team. You probably don't want to give up draft capital for that. So I was in on the idea of trading for Cam Reddish. If you could have gotten Reddish and Okongwu for Grant, as much as I am not as excited about the idea of trading Grant as others are, which is again what I wrote about last week on palaceofpistons.com, I could at least accept that Detroit was getting two young prospects that both could fill a legitimate need on the Pistons roster moving forward and Reddish being a scoring minded wing with defensive abilities. If he ever fully committed to that side of the ball and then Okongu obviously being a jumpy rim running defensive minded big that would fill a role, fill the role in the pick and roll for the Pistons offense. So it it's, it's not the end of the world. I, I'm wondering what, the Hawks wanted back if there was talks outside of Jeremy Grant that were discussed. And I mean, at the end of the day, you would have liked to have Cam Radish, but I, I'm fine with Detroit not giving up a first round pick because we don't know what their future looks like. This could be, this is going to be a lot easier this year. And it 
could be next year and the year after that for all we know. I always think it's really funny when trade talk comes around and like, I'll be the first to admit I can guess, but I really don't know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to reputation and, and uh, expectations among, you know, people in the league when it comes to, to trade value, because I think there was a lot of people on Pistons Twitter saying, Oh, you can't trade Jeremy Grant for Cam Reddish and Okongwu. The the Hawks will never do that. Cam Reddish is worth way more. And then it turns out the asking price is like a late first rounder in, in Kevin Knox's contract, basically. So it's always funny to, to kind of see what guys go for because it feels like among Twitter people, even among a lot of like media people, perceived trade value is not necessarily what somebody's trade value is right I, I think we all saw cam reddish and went oh okay he'll be part of a package but like it might be tough for the pistons to pull that off now you look at it and you go oh well the, the just getting cam reddish and okongwu from the hawks for jeremy grant would actually be a horrible misuse of of that of jeremy grant and his trade value he's obviously going to get you more than that so i don't know I, it's kind of an aside i just always find that kind of funny to see what we think guys trade values are and what they really are when it comes down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. And, and teams always overvalue like, well, fans will always overvalue players that play for their favorite team. I mean, I remember posting something about Andre Drummond being traded and somebody in the palace of Pistons group chat thought, Oh, it's gotta be Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton and who, uh, is, you know, on their way to Detroit for Andre Drummond. And it was John Henson and Brandon Knight and, a <laughs> you know, a, a garbage second rounder. <laughs> and everyone thought, what? That is impossibly bad value. And it's like, well, as it turns out, that, that you know, there was more value in not having Andre Drummond on the team than getting back, a, you know, a, a meaningful asset. Well, um, so we always overvalue our, Mike, you know, some- our favorite players. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. You look at like, yeah, like the Andre Drummond trade, but you could also look on the other hand, you could look at the Svima Kailuk and a second rounder for um, Hamadou Diallo deal. Like Diallo's, uh, obviously his value was not very high, but that was a steal of a deal. So we could be looking back at this in, you know, a couple of years, looking back at that deal as being like, oh man, the Pistons really should have got in on that. They really should have gotten Cam Reddish. But the fact of the matter is he has not proven himself as an NBA contributor yet. He has the defensive potential, but he's not a lockdown defender. He doesn't pass. Like, I mean, the guy averages an assist per game. Like he does not pass and he's still highly inefficient from the floor Yes, his three-point percentage is up. He's shooting like 38%, but the guy only shoots 42% from two-point range. That's really bad. Like, that is that is not a good sign. Um, so I think for me, I need to see what Troy Weaver is going to do with the rest of, you know, the time left before the trade deadline. I do still think there is at least one or two trades. I mean, it's clear. they're They're trying to acquire young assets Obviously, the bull bull thing didn't go through, but if that's not a sign that the Pistons are looking to get involved, I don't know what is. Yeah, they're they're definitely trying to make moves. Like, I mean, even Dwayne Casey said that after the bull bull trade is like, yeah, we are out there trying to acquire some different young guys and and different guys to take chances on. Like they they're just coming out and saying it. So I, I'm fully expecting whether it's a big trade that involves Jeremy Grant or it's a smaller deal that involves someone like Corey Joseph or Trey Lyles. Like I am very much anticipating that there is at least one trade that that's going to go down for the Pistons. They Troy Weaver does not sit around, you know, idle. He is always looking to adjust the roster, tinker with it and take chances on guys, which is something that he absolutely should be doing as he's retooling a team. So yeah, I definitely expect Detroit to continue to be active with a little less than a month left left until the trade deadline. I, I want to throw out, I know we have to wrap things up. One guy we have not talked about, but it does seem like there's a high likelihood he could be on the move. Mo Bamba from the Orlando Magic. I'm just throwing that out there. I, 
I don't know if anything will come of that, but it does seem like the Magic are willing to deal him. He is the type of guy that I think would absolutely be worth taking a shot on here in Detroit. He's proven this year that he is definitely capable of being an NBA defender. Uh, He's averaging over two blocks a game. So just throwing that out there, if there is a chance that they could get Mo Bamba, um, maybe not for Jeremy Grant, but for something else, I would absolutely be open to it, and I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. So just throwing that one out there. We've thrown a lot of them, but um, I think still number one for me is going to be that Patrick Williams potential trade. And that for me is the one that I'm really looking at as, as the one I think has a really high likelihood of happening. Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I read something that said the Magic wanted a first rounder for Mo Bamba. Is that correct? You're going to put me on the spot like that. and Well, I mean, I was just wondering. Know uh, that. I, 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 I thought <laughs> I saw somebody, maybe it was Hoops Hype, aggregate that, that the Magic were looking for a first rounder for Mo Bamba. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're, they're horrible and just need more players at this point. So yeah, maybe not, but I I don't know. I mean, again, if there's something, if there is a trade to be made where, you know, you still make a trade with the Atlanta Hawks and you acquire their late first rounder, maybe you turn around and you flip that into Mo Bamba. I I don't know. Jasper, you're in my brain because that's, that's sort of what I was thinking. It seems like the Hawks get in getting, you know, and getting that protected first rounder would combine it with another big move, like, say, that first-rounder and Okongwu and Danilo Gallinari for Jeremy Grant, and maybe there's another pick in there. And then the Pistons can flip that first-rounder and another player, uh, you know, just to fill roster and salary space for Mo Bamba. Um, Or I guess, rather, DeAndre Hunter and the first-rounder and Gallinari or Bogdanovich to match salary um, to get Bamba. So the Pistons end up with Hunter and Mo Bamba, which is not, not bad at all. Um, that, that would be at least interesting. No. I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. The biggest concern with him is if he can stay healthy, because when he's healthy, he is a very valuable player. I mean. Oh, well, that's why you trade for Mo Bamba, another guy with no injury history whatsoever. So. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> not only do the, does the prospect have to be good, he's got to be, you know, be able to stay healthy. And that's why I'm just kind of in favor of saying, hey, maybe the Pistons should keep Jeremy Grant. He's actually a pretty useful player. And the guy is only 28. Like, I just don't understand why people are acting like he's going to be 35, making 100, you know, 20, you know, $35 million a year. Like, that's just not going to be the case. The Pistons can sign him to an extension this year, and he'll be coming off of a contract at 32, 33. He'll still have been able to play good basketball. He's the type of guy that can play different roles. Like if the Pistons just were able to commit to using him a different way as Kate Cunningham continues to rise up the, the charts of being the guy offensively, getting Jeremy Grant in a little bit of a different role with less isolations, post-ups, things of that nature, like letting him cut, letting him spot up. He can be a very valuable player on both ends of the floor. So it's fun to talk about all these different trades, but I, I still do truly think in the end, the Pistons would just be best off keeping the guy that we know is a productive and good and healthy NBA player rather than some of these other prospects that we spent time talking about that are more than likely not going to be Pistons. You mean you don't want Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn for Jeremy Grant? Oh my gosh. Lakers fans are absolutely delusional. Talk about overvaluing <laughs> your favorite team's players. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker has uh, being vamped up all the way into a, you know, could have gone in the lottery, but didn't kind of player. Screw it. We're trading for Russell Westbrook. Oh man. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. How, how, how many shots, how many shots would clang off the iron between him and Killian Hayes on the floor? We'll just, we'll just have Russ as a super small ball five. I was going to say they'd combine for, for 20 a night, um, 19 of them coming from Russ. <laughs> it is what it is. Turnovers it is or? Of whatever, man. Missed shots, turnovers, 
plays where you go, no, no, do that. No. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Fellas, good podcast. We'll have a lot more trade talk coming in the next couple of weeks as things start to ramp up. The Cam Reddish trades really, really just the, um, the, the appetizer for NBA trade deadline talk. And, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of players, um, including Grant, and we didn't even talk about John Collins uh, or obviously Tim, Tim Forkin's favorite Ben Simmons uh, discussions, you know, certainly have to look at that, but uh, it'll be a very active deadline. And it certainly looks like the Pistons will be very active uh, as well. So fellas, any, any thoughts before we close out the podcast here? Yeah. Pistons are five and four in 2022. That's they a, are. a positive. We didn't talk about that enough, but they are starting to play some better basketball. Well, I, w- I just have one last thought. I think that we should name this podcast the Pistons Do Not Trade for Patrick Williams uh, just because everything that we name our podcast, the opposite of it happens. So I think we should name it that. That's a, that's a great idea. Right? Just the old that's reverse the George jinx. Costanza methodology of <laughs> that's right. Do, do the opposite of whatever I think is the right thing. <laughs> exactly. And I think that that would work out great. Uh, let's also name the next one after that. Pistons lose the 2023 NBA championship. I'm just spitballing here. No, that's all I got for today, guys. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad we were all able to get back together and talk Pistons. Let's do this more often with all three of us. I, I, I like it this way. Yes, yes. I will uh, do my best to make sure that I am available for more than one or two podcasts a month. <laughs> um, but bet online is available always I'd like to have a nice shout out to our sponsor. Once again, bet online, you can use the promo code believe 50. That's B L E A V five zero. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit for Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apollonia. My name is Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll see you all next time. Pistons fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.